Let's turn our Bible this morning to the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter number 1. The book of Acts chapter number 1. And we're going to read the uh, first 11 verses of Acts chapter number 1. Uh, we are going to look at a couple of other places uh, this morning. So keep your Bibles uh, close by. We'll be looking in the book of Romans as well as the book of First Thessal- Thessalonians this morning. But we'll begin in Acts chapter number 1, and we look forward to what the Bible has for us uh, on this day, Ascension Sunday, as we have uh, named it, putting a focus uh, on the ascension of Christ and uh, what uh, it means to us. First of all, very practically, uh, it's because He was resurrected that He could ascend back to heaven, and it was proof of His resurrection, uh, and uh, we look forward to what God has for us this morning. Acts chapter number 1, verse number 1, the former treaties have I made, O Theodore, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father." Which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. I want to use this passage of Scripture, of course, today. We're speaking of the ascension of Christ and why it is important for us. Uh, But I've given the message this title this morning, Questions Answered Concerning Christ's Ascension. Questions Answered Concerning Christ's Ascension. This world needs to know that Jesus did raise from the dead. This world needs to know that Christ did ascend back into heaven. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you can think all the way back to last uh, Sunday morning, the message, without, if there is no resurrection, there is no gospel. Uh, Christ, this world needs to know uh, what I'm going to preach on this morning. So uh, there may be some questions about the ascension of Christ. Uh, did it take place? Absolutely, it took place. What does it mean? What, what are the circumstances around it? And so uh, this morning with the time that I have, I'm going to answer some questions uh, concerning Christ's ascension. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that uh, you would use the time we have uh, to help us to... Uh, give us greater confidence in what we already have confidence in. And Father, I pray that there's one this morning, maybe it's the first time they've ever heard anything like this. May the Spirit of God uh, give them understanding as best as possible. May uh, He help them to realize their need of a Savior and the purpose for which Jesus came was to pay the sins of the world. May they then be willing to put their faith and trust in what Christ has done. 
And Father, for those of us who have already been faced with our eternity, we've made that decision to uh, believe on Christ and to choose Christ's payment. May uh, we be reminded of uh, who Christ is and what Christ has done for us. And may we live in victory because He lives. And Father, may uh, we be willing to be a witness to this world we live in. Uh, we ask that all these things uh, be done to His honor and glory, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Of course, there are many significant events concerning Christ. We think about even the world we live in, how so many are unaware and just don't have knowledge of what we take for granted of knowing through the Word of God. But even as we keep our calendar and you have so much, such and such a year B.C., before Christ, you have the in the year of our Lord after Christ, even the calendar uh, gives recognition to this, the events of Christ of which we pay close attention to. There are many significant events concerning Christ, but I'm afraid the ascension of Christ often gets overlooked. Not because it's not important, but certainly due to the significance of the others. Uh, the birth of Christ, uh, the crucifixion of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, all are vital uh, events that took place in the life of Christ. But the ascension of Christ, of course, is significant and is very pivotal, pivotal in, in, in reminding us of the fact that Christ had completed the work he came to do. Why did Jesus come to this world? We'll stop at Christmas time and, and we'll fight the politicians to keep, remind them that Jesus is the reason for the season. And certainly Jesus did come to this earth, but why did he come? Uh, he came to go to the cross of Calvary. He was crucified, paying the sin debt of mankind. He was resurrected. He rose from the dead, and we certainly celebrate that. We look at the ascension of Christ, and it's very, very important that we're reminded of some things this morning. Because as Christ left, having completed his work on this earth, he commissioned us to do a work for him. This morning, I'm going to answer four questions concerning uh, the ascension and hopefully give us a greater understanding, but also a greater urgency in fulfilling Christ's commands. I'm going to jump right into the outline this morning because I want to have plenty of time. But the first question uh, that I'll ask this morning that I believe we can answer from Scripture when we look at the ascension of Christ is uh, this, what did he say? We must look in the Scripture to find out what he said not just about his ascension, but as he ascended. We look at verse number 7, uh, and it comes on the heels of verse number 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying... Now, bear in mind, these are the disciples who uh, he had called them. They had left their profession. They had followed him. Uh, they had been with him in his earthly ministry. Christ had been crucified. Uh, he had been placed in that tomb. Three days later, he came forth alive out of that tomb... Uh, he revealed himself to them, and now for this about 40 days, they have been with him, and he's about to ascend to heaven, and they're not aware of this yet. And they get together, and they ask him a question in verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Okay, he's been crucified. He's risen from the dead. Now it's time for Jesus to be the king and to restore the Israel in its rightful place. But then Jesus answered in verse 7, He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons 
which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. What did he say? They asked if he was going to restore Israel. Now, and he said, this is not for you to know, but this is what you should focus on. He said, first of all, be witnesses of me. You have seen me after my resurrection. You need to go tell people the fact that I'm alive. You need to tell people that I conquered death. Quite frankly, that's a pretty good story to tell, don't you think? That's a pretty good message uh, to give priority. He says, be witnesses of me, my death, my burial, and my resurrection. And friend, can I just make a quick analogy for you and I and a quick application for you and I? It's the same message that you and I need to be telling, the same thing. We need to be witnesses. And so you say, well, we didn't physically see it, the death, the burial, the resurrection. Oh, we have it even better. We have the, the, the documentation in Scripture telling us of what took place and how Jesus did go to the cross. He was crucified. He did give up the ghost. He was buried. And three days later, he came forth out of that tomb. And certainly the Spirit of God convinces men of the reality of that. He tells them to be witnesses, and I think you and I should still be witnesses. What do we spend our time talking about? What do we spend our time arguing about? You know what will be on the top of the list of every Christian and every conversation is, well, i got to make sure that people know that Jesus is alive. Well, Pastor, every Easter we do that. Oh, not just on Easter Sunday. But on every day and every opportunity we get, we ought to be quick to tell people that Jesus isn't dead. Jesus is alive. He's conquered death in hell. But he tells them to be witnesses, and then he tells them to, to the where? To Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost. He covers the whole world. Uh, he says, start there in Jerusalem. Then you'll branch out to the surrounding areas, and then to the surrounding areas, and to the whole world knows. And that is still what we need to understand is the mission of the church is to make sure the whole world knows that, I don't know if you ever have this, how many times you church people are going to come by here and keep telling me the same thing until you get it? <laughs> until you believe on it? Uh, well, that's what we're supposed to do. Don't get my, Jesus told us to do it. Uh, we're supposed to make sure the whole world knows. Uh, my goal and my desire as the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church is for us to get so busy living in victory because Christ has resurrection. No Christian should live in defeat. Say, Pastor, does that mean we don't have problems? I didn't say you don't have problems, but we, don't let the, the, we overcome the problems because we have a risen Savior. And we tell everybody around us, we tell our neighbors, we tell our coworkers, we, we tell the people we come in contact with, and to the point where people believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so much that it begins to, ha begins to grow and to grow and grow, and even in surrounding communities, they hear what's taking place at the Emmanuel Baptist Church. He tells them, in order for, do, for you to do this, you're going to have to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. I, even though I am a preacher of the gospel, I cannot convince any man to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, if I convince you, you're not saved. Because it must come by the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. What does that mean? That means that when you and I live out the gospel, when you and I our witnesses, we must be empowered by the Holy Ghost. I can remember and I can think back to the circumstances around my own salvation. I was a child and 
in my, many of you have heard me tell the story many times, my mother was my kindergarten teacher. Well, I, I thought I was in that place with your mother as your in, in kindergarten teacher. And she was teaching on the crucifixion and how Jesus came to pay the sin debt of the world. And I remember there was a little voice, it wasn't audible, there was something impressing upon me. It wasn't the words of my mother that convinced me I needed salvation. It was the Spirit of God that did. And friend, that's what you and I need to be reminded of. It's the power of the Spirit of God. So what did he say? He said, go reach the world so that all may know we have the same responsibilities. We look at his ascension, number two. I'm going to try to answer the question, where did he go? In verse number 10 and verse number 11 of our text, we see, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, they're talking to Jesus. Jesus is, is teaching them. He's blessing them. And all of a sudden, he begins to go up. He went up, the scripture says, toward heaven. Verse 11, which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you in to heaven. Luke 24, verse 51, gives an account of the ascension as well. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Uh, Afraid of heaven's not a real place, Jesus could not have gone there. And he went into, he left this earth having fulfilled his purpose. Where did he go? He went to heaven. That is where they watched him go. That is the, in verse 11 of our text, chapter 1. He says, uh, why, why stand you gazing up into heaven? Well, how much could they see? I don't know how much they could see. They just know where he went. Romans chapter number 8. If you have time to get there, uh, you can turn to Romans chapter number 8. Keep your place in Acts chapter number 1. But in Romans chapter number 8. And while you're turning there, you two guys, I need your seats. So you all just go sit up there in the choir for me. Just don't, don't fall asleep. In Acts chapter number 8, verse 34, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us. Jesus is speaking to those disciples. He is teaching them. He is blessing them. And he begins to ascend into heaven. They watch him go into heaven. Where did he go in heaven? Where is he in heaven? Romans chapter 8 tells us that when he ascended into heaven, he came and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Friend, no political party is in control of this world. God the Father still sits on his throne. God the Father is still in control. And where is Jesus? Where did he go? He went and took his place, sitting at the right hand of the Father. The right hand is a place of authority. The right hand is a place of prominence. The right hand is a place of influence. Jesus was not just a spirit. Jesus 
in his literal physical body left their presence. And there'll be so those that try and deny that Jesus really was crucified. Jesus was nailed to a cross. He shed his blood. His body was broken. He gave up the ghost. His life wasn't taken from him, but he gave his life in death. He conquered death and hell. He, he literally physically rose from the grave. That stone rolled away in the same body that they placed in that tomb. Didn't have to be carried out of the tomb. He walked out of the tomb, having conquered death and hell. He revealed himself to his disciples. And now here he is. He ascends into heaven. And where did he watch him go into heaven? Where did he go? He went and sat in his place at the right hand hand of the Father. That leads me to the third question I want to answer this morning. Not only is where did he go, but why is he there? Why did he go to the Father's right hand? Friend, heaven is a literal place. God is in his, sits on his throne and at the right hand of the Father. I remind you, God is holy. We don't take the word holy and, and measure God up against the word holy. No, we take the word holy, we measure it up against God. God is without sin. God is without flaw. God is without error. God is holy. No man can enter into the presence of a holy God. Even in the Old Testament law, which these disciples were very aware of and very knowledgeable of, that priest, that Old Testament priest, if you will, he could not enter into the presence of God. He had to cleanse himself. He had to go through all of these rituals and to enter into that holy of holies. And if he had any sin, he would, God would take his life right there. How can man enter into the presence of a holy God? Friend, no matter who you are this morning, no matter how well you clean up, the Bible says, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. From the pulpit to the back seat, everybody in here is a sinner. Everybody in here falls short of God. Well, I'm religious. You still fall short of God. Well, my grandmother was religious. You still fall short of God. Well, I, 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 I did this. You still fall short of God. So how can man enter into the presence of God? This is why the ascension of Christ is significant. Because he ascended into heaven... They watched him go into heaven. Romans 8, 34, which we just read, tells us who is even at the right hand of God. Remember just a moment ago, I reminded us the right hand is a position of authority. It's a position of influence. It's a position of prominence, of power. The same verse says, who also maketh intercession for us. Now, this verse is important. There's so much in it. Look back at the beginning of the verse. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. He died for you and I. We know that, right? He paid our sin debt. Who is he that condemneth? Is it Christ that died? There's not a period there. Yea, rather. I don't serve a dead Savior. I don't serve a dead God. He did die, yea, rather, that is risen again. Friend, you can go all over this globe and you can visit the grave of 
quote-unquote holy men. But you can't find a tombstone that says Jesus Christ born this day, died this day, because yea, rather, he rose again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He can intercede for you and I because he was resurrected. Hebrews 7 verse 25 says, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Jesus, having completed the work of salvation that day, ascended into heaven. He had already been crucified for mankind. He had already conquered death and hell. He had already risen from the grave. For that 40-day period, he had revealed himself to many people. He now, with those disciples, he is giving them these instructions. And in the midst of his blessing them, in the midst of his instructing them, he ascends literally into heaven. They watch him go into heaven. They stand there and they're looking until they can't see him anymore and they continue to try and find him. They watched him ascend. Where did he go? We've already answered that question. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's in the place of authority. He's in the place of influence. Why is he there? He intercedeth for us. You think of Romans 10, 9 through verse 13. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, I can think back to a time in my life when I realized I was a sinner. And with my heart, that text tells us, man believeth, the mouth confesseth. Well, I can remember as a child, I didn't know what was going on, but I, I believed what I heard. I be, believed that I was a sinner. I believed that because of my sin, I deserved eternal condemnation in hell. I believed when I was told from the Scripture how Jesus paid that price for me, and all I had to do was put my faith and trust in Him. And I remember calling on the name of the Lord, but there's nothing in Greg Neal that could get the attention of God. There's nothing that I could do to reconcile me to my God. And when I call on the name of the Lord, there is one sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding, saying, Father, I paid for his sins. My blood was shed for his sins. And friend, you think about the time when you trusted Christ as your Savior. It wasn't your goodness that got you to God. It wasn't your holiness that got you to God. It wasn't your works that got you access to God. It was the one sitting at the right hand of the Father at the seat of, of authority and intercession and interceded on behalf of those calling on him. Friend, you and I have salvation this morning because of the intercession of the Son of God. You and I have eternity uh, awaiting us in that place called heaven because of the intercession of uh, the, the Son of God. Where is he? Why is he there? He sits at the right hand of the Father. Why? He's interceding. He's still interceding today. I look around the room, and of course, most of you I've, I, I know very well. Many of you I've, I've known a long, long time. I can remember when some of you got saved. Some of you, I'm still praying you do. But I remember when we know this. 
All of us have messed up since we got saved. All of us have still sinned. You say, what? When you, when you trust Christ, you're saved, you don't become perfect? No. We still have this flesh. And by the way, don't let the devil tell you you're not saved if this scripture tells you you are. So when you mess, mess up and you sin and you fail and say, oh, I've lost my... No, you can't lose your salvation. And the devil comes into the presence of God and he says, oh, look at your child, what he did. Aren't you thankful you got one that sits at the right hand of the Father and says, I paid for that? Oh, but he also did. I paid for that. Oh, but he, he, he should have done this and he did. I paid for that. God who is rich in mercy. Aren't you thankful that we have somebody who intercedes for us? And let me just say very quickly this morning, if you're here and you've never come to that point in your life when you've realized you needed a Savior, but maybe the Spirit of God is working on your heart right now. Maybe you've never heard anything like this, or you've heard it before, and, and, and the Lord is bringing it back to mind, how you need the Lord Jesus Christ. You must believe in what Christ did. You can't work your way to heaven. Church membership won't get you there. A religious denomination isn't going to get you there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You must believe on what Christ did. And if you'll... Do that today. Say, why would he save me? Same reason he saved me. The same reason he saved anybody and everybody who's ever been saved. Because he willingly laid down his life for us. Why would God receive me? Because of the son who sits at his right hand. And intercedes and says, I paid for those sins. See, God just has to have the debt satisfied. And because I'm a sinner, because you're a sinner, there's a debt to a holy God, our creator, the God of all things, that demands that debt be satisfied. The moment man sins, he is destined for that horrible place called hell because that is where sin is cast. That is the payment of sin so that a righteous God can be satisfied. Make no mistake about it, God is a righteous God. God is a just God. And when there's an offense, He demands there be a payment. But God is also a loving God, not willing that any man should perish. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And that is why Jesus was sent to pay the sin debt. And Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, and when man calls upon God, man in his goodness and his righteousness can't get access to God. But Jesus, our intercessor, he paid that sin debt. He paid for every man. And, and, and his sacrifice satisfies the justice and the righteousness of God. See, we look at verse 34 again. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. If Jesus was not who he said he was, he wouldn't have risen again. If that payment did not satisfy God, he wouldn't have risen again. The fact that he conquered death is proof that his payment was enough. So we've answered some questions this morning. What did he say? Where did he go? Why is he there? We get to the fourth question this morning, and 
I think we'll see very quickly how this ties in with the ascension, but it's the question is this, will he return? If he was here before, we know he was. And we read the account in Acts chapter 1 of how Christ ascended into heaven. Those men, literally with their eyes, seeing Christ, hearing him speak with their ears, watched him ascend into heaven. We've seen from Scripture of where he sits this morning. He sits at the right hand of the Father. Why is he there? He's making intercession. Well, it leads to a logical question that if he came before and he left, he ascended into heaven, will he return? Well, I think the Scripture is very clear in answering that question. In 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, Concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. Uh, comfort is being offered to those who had loved ones, who, who, who were believers, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who had died. Would they ever see them again? And they have hope. But we could look at verse 15. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven and with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. 1 Thessalonians reminds us that the day is coming, that trumpet is going to sound, and Jesus is going to appear. He's not sending an angel to appear. He's coming himself, and he will appear, and those that have gone on before us in death will be resurrected first. We'll be caught up with him just as Jesus ascended into heaven. Those who are still alive, when that takes place, when he comes again and that trumpet sounds, will literally ascend into heaven and join him in the air. I want you to notice our text in Acts chapter number 1 again, but I want us to look at verse 11. Then I'm going to tile this together and we'll be through. But don't miss this. This is why the ascension, besides what we've already said, besides the, the ten, 10 things we covered in Sunday school, this is tying it all together. This is why it's important for you and I to be reminded that Jesus did ascend into heaven. He is going to return. These men have, you got to understand, they, they gave up everything to follow Christ. They gave up their family business. They gave up lucrative profession. They, gave, they sacrificed. These men are going to be martyred for the cause. They've given up everything to follow Christ. Jesus is crucified, buried in that tomb. Three days later, he raises, rises again. He reveals himself to them. And what always comes to my mind when I think of that, of them being in that upper room and doors being closed, windows being closed, and all of a sudden, he's there. He says to Thomas, put your hand into my side. Notice my wounds. Oh, he had appeared unto them. Now he leaves them and they watch him ascend into heaven. As you could imagine, as they're watching him and they're kind of, you ever been in one of those situations, you see what is taking place and at the same time your mind is telling you this is happening, but at the same time your mind is telling you this is not really happening? I can imagine that's what's taking place in their mind. 
and they are just staring at where they last saw him. Partly because they could not believe what they just saw. But partly because now the one we've looked to has left us. But there was two men, two angels that were there, verse 10 tells. Look at verse number 11, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Notice these next three words. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall, not, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Not another Jesus. The same Jesus. The Old Testament prophets, many, many years ago, preached of a coming Savior. They preached the Son of God, the Messiah, Isaiah. Oh, I don't know what Isaiah looked like. I have a picture in my mind. I imagine he had a deep, raspy voice. Maybe he's very high-pitched. I don't know, but it's hard for me to imagine an Old Testament prophet with a high voice. I, sorry, tenors. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Speaking of the one who would be led like a lamb to the slaughter, the day would come many, many years later that a star would appear in Bethlehem and a child would be born. It's this same Jesus that was born in Bethlehem was the fulfillment of the prophecy of the one that would come to pay for the sins of the world. This same Jesus would live and fulfill his earthly ministry and call those disciples to him. This same Jesus would be led to that place of the crucifixion, the place of the skull. He would be wrongfully convicted. He would be beaten beyond recognition. Fulfilling the prophecy again, he opened not his mouth because Jesus was not there to defend himself. He was there to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins. This same Jesus would be nailed to that cross and this same Jesus would take upon him the sins of the world. This same Jesus would proclaim, it is finished. And he would yield up the ghost. It wasn't taken from him. He gave his life as payment for you and I. Because there's a holy and a righteous father who demanded that sin have a payment, who demanded that sins be paid for. And Jesus volunteered for that. And Jesus took upon him the sins of the world and he yielded up his ghost. This same Jesus, that body was placed in that tomb and in three days time, he conquered death and hell. This same Jesus came forth out of that tomb. You remember Mary Magdalene and those other ladies went to the tomb that Sunday morning and when they got to the tomb, that stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. The angels were there. She almost bumped into Jesus, supposing him the gardener. And he said, touch me not. Why? Because he had yet to ascend as the high priest and sprinkle his blood and pay on the mercy seat in heaven. And he revealed himself. And they came to that empty tomb. This same Jesus had resurrected from the grave. This same Jesus, 40 days later, is where we read in Acts chapter number 1. This same Jesus ascended up into heaven. 
Where did he go? This same Jesus went to the right hand of the Father. This same Jesus sits there at this very moment. We answer that question, is he coming again? One day, and we're reminded several places in Scripture that nobody knows the hour but the Father. Jesus sits at the right hand this morning and he's interceding. If you're not saved, if you're depending on a religion, your own good works, or some man for you to get access to the Father, you're going to come up short every time. If you don't know God today, if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ for salvation, if you would do it this morning, this same Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father would intercede. and He would say, I paid for their sins. I shed my blood for their sins. And you could be reconciled to the Father. Is Jesus going to come again? Well, those angels that day said to those men, Why stand ye here gazing? This same Jesus. We read in 1 Thessalonians how the day is going to come when Jesus is going to come and he's going to appear in the sky and the trump of God is going to sound. Say, uh, what does that mean? When that trump sounds, you and I, the redeemed, will have to wonder, what are we supposed to do? It's not going to be like if a fire alarm goes off. We all know where the X's are until the... Until the alarm goes off. What do I do? What do I do? Oh, no. It'll be an instant thing. So this same Jesus, as we have given a little picture this morning from the Old Testament prophet to his birth, to his crucifixion, to his resurrection, to his ascension, to him sitting at the throne of the Father. One day, God the Father is going to say, it's time. When he says it's time, Jesus is getting up from the right hand of the Father. and He's going to make himself known. And that trumpet is going to sound. And those of the redeemed are going to be forever with him. What a wonderful promise for you and I. But the book of Matthew, with chapter 24, reminds us, it tells us that there's going to be two working in a field. One will be taken, the other will be left. Well, I can tell you today that the same one who sits at the right hand of the Father when God the Father says it's time, I can tell you with great confidence that when that trump sounds, if it were to sound today, I'd be out of here because of my faith and trust in what Christ did on Calvary. But I think the question that you need to be able to answer for yourself, if that trump sounded right now, would you be alone in a building that was empty except for you? Would you wonder what was taking place? Where did everybody go? Because there's great comfort for those that are saved. He, he left. He is coming again. That question, will he return, is absolutely he will return. And that rapture of the church will take place 
The question that you and I must be willing to answer and able to answer this morning is, have we called on the name of the Lord? Do we have salvation in Him? Friend, I'd be dishonest if I did not tell you this morning that except you put your faith and trust in Christ, you cannot get access to the Father. He demands justice for sin. We must either pay for that sin with our own suffering in that horrible place called hell, or we can believe on what Christ did. And today he sits at the right hand of the Father. And if you would call on him today, if you would let somebody show you from Scripture how you can be saved and you would believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, the, the, the Son would intercede on your behalf and say, I paid for their sins. It is covered. I conquered death and hell. And friend, this morning, those of us that are the saved, the redeemed, the day is coming when the Son is getting up from the right hand. And He's coming. He's coming in the clouds. You say, well, will we see this same Jesus? Oh, there's a world that's going to be, they're going to be stunned. Oh, they've denied that he ever came. They've tried to explain away the, the, the birth. They've tried to explain away the crucifixion. They've tried to explain away the resurrection. They've tried to explain away all the things, that the fulfillment of prophecies. They've tried to explain it all away. But the day's coming when that same Jesus who ascended into heaven, can you imagine how those disciples would go and there'd be witnesses and proclaim with that scene, there'd be some denier who would say, oh, that could have never really happened. But friend, the day's coming when that same Jesus is going to come and meet us in the clouds. And that same Jesus is the Jesus that you and I are going to see. That same Jesus is the one that you and I are going to spend eternity with. The same Jesus that died for us, the same Jesus that paid our sin debt, the same Jesus that rose from the dead and ascended into heaven is the same Jesus that's going to call us home. Friend, today, do you know him? I didn't say, do you know about him? Do you know of him? But do you know him? Have you believed on him? Well, today, if you don't make today your day of salvation. Father, I pray this morning that you would use the message. I pray this morning that the Spirit of God would place under conviction anyone who does not know